Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. Use promo code the Show Up That Foundation to get 10% off your order. Zendurance Active Wellness and Sports Nutrition. Their products are designed to maximize your health. At Zendurance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad. Use my code the Show Up Dad and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zendurance.com. Tall Man Equipment. Standing taller than the rest of the competition in Lyman Tools since 1952. Give them a follow at www.tallmanequipment.com. And last but not least, Adam Lane Smith. He is an attachment specialist who helps people to heal, connect, and build. Use my promo code SHOW, spelled S-H-O-W, for a 50% discount on his attachment boot camp course. Thank you. Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast. It is created for hardworking fathers. At the Show Up Dad, we recognize that fathers providing for their children is certainly important. But when men truly understand their unique role and gain the knowledge and skills to be great fathers, they can transform and impact future generations. Today, I have Paul Petrovsky. He is the co-founder of Evie Marrow Couples. They help couples create intentional, healthy relationships by teaching them how to develop growth-minded skills to break the cycle of conflict. Paul is a personal growth junkie, passionate about helping couples come together to apply personal growth strategies to their relationship. Paul lives in Denver, Colorado with his two beautiful kids and chunky lab, Isabella. In his free time, he is either biking through the trails of Colorado or jamming on the drums whenever possible. Welcome to our show, brother. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Man, I Paul... The reason why we have you on here is because we see that your work is amazing. And we also started a a podcast episode where we're helping the dynamic of the family, the, the marriage relationship, both my wife and I. So we saw that you dealt with conflict resolution, and we thought it was important for you to come on here and just share with our audience what you do, brother. Yeah, thank you for having me again. Um, you know, we we are at Evamero Couples, we're really passionate about helping couples do, as you said, develop what we call growth-minded skills. And we're all familiar with the growth mindset, fixed mindset. Uh, But the reality is is there are certain skills that it takes to grow out of conflict. Uh, If you're in a relationship, you didn't have maybe good role models, didn't really understood what healthy and unhealthy patterns were. A lot of times you can sit in unhealthy patterns and that creates a lot of conflict in in your relationship. And to get out of that conflict and create something different, uh, it's not natural for everybody. We, we don't all have just that natural inclination to grow, to take the steps, to understand the accountability that we have to have to ourselves and to our partners to grow out of that. 
And so that's really what we're all about, helping couples to get aligned on why you're in that conflict, what's the root cause of that conflict, and then helping them develop what we call growth-minded skills to begin to grow out of that to create something different. That's awesome. How did you come about starting your uh, your couples you know, program? Yeah. Uh, so my partner and I both lived it individually in, in our previous marriages in the sense of, um, you know, I personally grew up ACOA, if you're familiar with that term, adult child of an alcoholic and the conflict of my childhood growing up. Um, you know, when you're in that, you don't realize how unhealthy that is. And you grow into adulthood and you take a lot of patterns that you developed to cope in that situation as a child and you bring them into adulthood. And I was married for, for 17 years. My ex-wife, same thing, uh, grew up as an ACOA. And that and we both grew up in this in this world where this idea of conflict and, and abuse and all that ugliness that comes with alcoholism uh, was just a normal part of our lives. And when we came into our relationship, uh, there's really three things that, that when you grow up in that dysfunctional family, you embrace. You, you don't talk about it. You don't feel and and you don't um you just you just you sit in these these patterns of 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 unhealthiness and and that's what we saw we got into our relationship we we're both christians both believers we both love god and we we threw ourselves into our relationship and and did all the right things uh, but the reality was when you got down below the surface, there were some some of those deeper patterns of just not talking about things, not allowing ourselves to feel the things and not really allowing ourselves to trust ourselves and each other that we weren't creating a healthy relationship. We didn't have one and we didn't know any better. We, we just sat in it because we thought, you know, this is what it is. And you hear all the, the patterns of, oh, relationships are hard. And yeah, they are hard, but sometimes they're unhealthy. And so we sat in that for many, many years and then it exploded for us after about 12 years. Um, and at that point, we we committed back to trying to create something new. We spent about five years in personal counseling and marriage counseling, really trying to dig in and create healthy patterns. But the reality was, is we were just in different places as far as what we wanted out of life, what we wanted in our relationship. We both said we wanted the relationship. But when you start digging into some of these things and embracing this idea of growing, you have to be aligned and come together on what it's going to take to undo those unhealthy patterns and create healthy patterns. And after about five years, we realized that that we just weren't on the same page. So to answer your question, it was my own personal journey. And my partner had a similar, my business partner had a similar journey. And as we went through that, we realized there's a lot of people that sit in unhealthy relationships because they don't know any better, because that's all they've ever known. And so we're really passionate about just helping them understand there is a definition. Yeah, relationships are hard, but they don't need to be unhealthy. And you can create healthy patterns in your relationship and you can grow out of those unhealthy patterns and create something different to create a healthier relationship, which then creates a more fulfilling relationship. Hmm. Hmm. I wanted to ask you, Paul, what are some of the more common conflicts that you see that couples deal with? Yeah. You know, we, we, we uh, at Evermero Couples, we have a framework. Uh, we call it the Evermero Couples framework that actually has layers to the complexity because relationships are ridiculously complex. And a lot of times couples think the conflict is about finances or it's about parenting or it's about your in-laws. And they, you know, they, they, they spin on those things because that's the trigger that they're, that they're, they're bumping their heads against. But when you start digging into that, there's two layers below that, what we call the connection layer and the core layer. 
And the connection layer is really all about what's that connection you have with your partner. Uh, we're, we're big fans of Sue Johnson, Love Sense, Hold Me Tight, and all the great work she's done. And I think she says it really well. At the end of the day, in your relationship, your connection is defined by, are you there for me? Are, is your partner there for you when you need them emotionally, intimately, physically, all those ways? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when your connection is broken with each other, those fighting, those things you're fighting it are really the surface level things, but it's really about the fact that you don't have a connection with your partner or you're not having that healthy uh, connection with them. But even the layer below that is the fact of our core. When we come into relationships, we all come in with a core sense of who we are. Do I show up in my relationship believing I'm worthy of love? I'm worthy of having a partnership. Do I deal with shame where I'm hiding from my partner more than reaching for my partner? And so for us, we really try to dig into what we call, what is the root cause of your relationship conflict? Because it's we can spin on those surface level things, but how do you understand the connection and how do you understand your uh, the core? So to answer your question, I think a lot of times our core is much more damaged than we realize. Again, I, I explained my story. I walked into my marriage with a very broken core, not, not because I didn't want to, but just that was just the dynamic of that's what I came out of. And it took years of counseling to begin to work on unpacking that, healing some of that core so that I can show up better as, as a partner. And once you have two individuals that are willing to work on that core, which really is where a lot of that conflict starts, then you can begin to try to rebuild the connection that you have with each other. And then you can work on what we call those contextual areas. Um, so I think the answer to your question is it really starts with the core as far as who we are and it, those insecurities, that shame and all that kind of stuff, that just creates so much. It's like the raw wound that you just keep poking at. And if we don't deal with that as individuals, it's really hard to create that connection. And then I think the second area is we just don't know what good connection looks like. And, and it, we just, again, so many of us don't have good role models that never understood what it looks like. And so to walk into a relationship, I think we all desire it. We all want it. We all want the secondary things of, of I want to have good sex. And I want to have good parenting. All this kind of stuff. But if we don't know what that healthy connection looks like, we again, we just spin on it. So it's wrestling with that core, wrestling with that connection. And then you have all the contextual areas. I think it's great that you guys have really identified that most marital problems kind of start with the core being of each individual, because I feel that in a lot of relationships where they haven't done the, uh, you know, self work and stuff like that, it's easy to point the finger at the other person and be like, you're the problem. You're the one that is causing these issues in this marriage, or, you know, you're triggering me and I'm off the handle. But the reality is, is if we would take the time to do the work on ourselves and identify all the baggage and pain that we have, as individuals, when we come back into the marriage dynamic, it just makes relating so much easier and it gives you opportunity to be able to reach what you're saying, which is the next level, the connection point, which that's where you can start having fun and enjoyment and all the wonderful things in marriage that God intends. Mm. And, the, and the beautiful thing about marriage is that's what like that healing can happen in the context of that connection in that relationship but it certainly takes two people willing to be patient with each other to understand we do have that baggage because we're both coming in with it and we're both having to take the steps to heal as it and if we can be patient with each other and create an environment to be vulnerable and allow that to happen that's where that healing happens which is is beautiful 
just for a lot of people, man, that's that's hard because like you said, they're pointing the finger at each other, not realizing your trigger is just a reflection of what's going on inside of me. I think it's cool too, because if you give the couples the opportunity to be able to work out things individually, but together, uh, you can really grow a bond. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, How does, how have you seen attachment issues play into this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of of just all the work out there about attachment. And, Mm -hmm. you know, no doubt this, (laughs) I think we all think we have a secure attachment, but the Mm -hmm. reality is that anxious, that avoided attachment, um, you know, they play such a big issue, uh, aspect of how we either choose to connect or not connect. You know, I think it's, I think it's such a, it's, it's such a critical piece of work because to understand my attachment style allows me to be honest about why I show up the way I show. Again, I, you know, shame, I think, is one of the biggest impediments to healthy relationships. And, and it's such a, a, a silent killer that we don't even realize the impact it's having on us. And so if I'm showing up and I'm, I'm either being avoided or anxious, if I'm not willing to push past shame and acknowledge that, yeah, this, this is the way I show up. I, I'm, I was always an avoidant attachment style. And it, and it wasn't until I gave myself space to, to own that, like to put it on the table and say, this is the way I do it today. It's not the way I always want to do it, but it's the way I do it today. And if you can give yourself space to understand it, to own it, and to create space to say, I'm working out of it, then I think it it gives you the ability to create differently with your partner. Um, and it gives your partner the ability to say, hey, I understand why you react that way. So many times if I'm an avoidant attachment style and I'm disengaging, your partner's going to say, oh, you don't love me. And then that triggers their shame. And then there that just creates that cycle of conflict. Mm-hmm. But if I can truly understand, oh, you're avoiding because of all these reasons. Again, I can, as a partner, I can be more patient to say, hey, I understand you're doing that. Just want to make sure we're on the same page. I'll give you your space, but let's try to come back and reconnect. So I think, you know, it's it's just so important to understand that attachment aspect, why you do what you do and give yourself the space to own it so that you can work through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The marriage dynamic is such a unique relationship because this is kind of where we start learning about our pain and our hurts and stuff like that, because now you have this person that's really close to you that is like reflecting all the things that are inside of you. And honestly, when we can show up in a space where we're genuine and have empathy towards our spouse, you kind of can give them space to work things out a little bit messy in the beginning, like say it messy. You can't, you, you can't always say things exactly or articulate what you're feeling exactly in a perfect way in the beginning sometimes you have to talk Mm -hmm. a little bit messy or or do things a little bit messy in the beginning until you start getting a rhythm and a footing and to be able to you know have a spouse that is understanding and say hey you know I'm there too yeah it can hurt and stuff like that but man I'm working on stuff too that's where we want to see our couples going right yeah i mean it's such a catch-22 right we all want and desire and need that connection but Mm -hmm. as soon as we get too intimate too close it triggers all those wounds inside of us and so we're doing what sue johnson calls the dance right like we're Mm -hmm. constantly we're stepping in we're stepping away we're stepping in we're stepping away yeah i think a lot of times too that it takes a level of patience you know like my wife was saying about in the beginning you you know you're trying and all this different stuff in your in your allowing that person to talk right and allow them to be messy in the conversation you know what i mean but that requires patience 
It does, definitely, especially if you're getting really triggered mm -hmm. because something you perceive it as something that maybe it wasn't intended for. Um, so yeah, having a level head. So that, you know, how can people kind of manage their emotions in moments when they're triggered and a conversation has gone to a place that's a little bit South. heated? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we, we're big advocates of understanding the phases of a relationship in the sense that, you know, we all remember the beginning of our marriage and it was that honeymoon phase and then something flips and you, and you get into that cycle of conflict. So I, I think to start understanding when you've made that switch is so critical because again, that's where couples, you know, they, they question themselves. They think there's something wrong with us. We're the only ones that are dealing with it. You spin in your head on all those things that are just keeping you isolated from recognizing this is a normal part of every relationship. Everybody goes through that. Mm -hmm. So I think one, recognizing when you've made that shift, and that's what we're really passionate about is catching couples when they've made that shift, they're starting to sense that conflict. And when those emotions are really beginning to become overwhelming, um, recognize that's normal. That's a normal part of it. Mm -hmm. But then I think, you know, really assuming good intent. It's so simple, yet it's so hard at times. Because the longer you stay avoidant in addressing that conflict, the harder it is to assume good intent with your partner. Because you just feel like they're intentionally hurting me or the, the pain just keeps coming and coming and we can't work through it. And so I think being able to, one, assume good intent that, you know, this is a person who says they love you. They're in this committed relationship with you. That in itself is no small feat. Like sometimes I think we underestimate committing to somebody and being willing to marry them is a huge step in life. So if somebody has taken that step with you, they did it for a reason because they saw something within you. They love you and they want to work this with you. Mm -hmm. So like, like not allowing ourselves to slip into the negative talk about our partner and assume good intent that they're there for a reason. They saw something in me and they're not intentionally trying to hurt me because we can spin in our heads when, when that happens, the emotions are rising. And I'm telling myself a narrative that's making my emotions rise even more. So being able to step back from that, being able to assume good intent and then, you know, I'm a big advocate of, of just, there are times you got to step away, right? Like if the emotions are, are bubbling, you got to step away and come back, but commit to each other to come back and to work through those things, even if it's a challenge. That's what, like, we're, we're really big about alignment and, and how do we stay aligned? Uh, I, I had a counselor once said that, you, you know, relationships are like two planets, right? You, you're, 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 you're going both on your axis and, you know, at times you're going to separate from each other but then you have to come back together. And, and if you're separating too far and you're spinning over here, then that's going to create the distance. If you're spinning too far close to each other, that's going to create a mesh man and that's not going to be healthy. So finding that right axis in your relationship that allows you when the emotions are big, we've got to step away from each other, but then we have to come back together. We have to assume good intent. We have to do our best to work through this. And this is where we're really all about how do you develop the skills to grow through that. Because again, it's just, it's not natural for people to say, hey, if we're, if we're struggling, oh, we're just going to grow. No, not everybody has that natural growth mindset or that growth inclination. So how do you teach people, not even necessarily communication skills or conflict skills, but how do you teach people to grow together? I think we all know about personal growth and I can embrace personal growth, mm -hmm. but how do you grow as a couple together? What are the techniques of, of, of embracing a growth mindset and putting infrastructure in our relationship to say we are growing together? Because if you can teach people that, then they can work on communication skills. They can work on conflict resolution. They can work on all the secondary things, but how do they grow together and stay aligned in that process? That's what we're really all about.
What are some of the major hurdles you see that cause couples to not want to grow together? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, for a lot of couples, it's just, they, again, this concept of personal growth has been very personalized and it's very much used in the business world or the entrepreneurial world. Oh, that, that's for people over there. I think one, people don't think of their marriage as a place where I have to apply that. So I think it, it starts with just a bit of a mindset shift of how do we truly say your marriage is a place to grow. It's, you know, if you, if you water it, if you fertilize it, if you, you take care of that soil, you're going to be able to grow into something and your relationship, your marriage is, is going to give you the ability to grow in a way that probably no masterclass, nothing else out there ever will. So I, so I think it starts by shifting a mindset to say, this relationship is an opportunity for me to grow if we can come together and get aligned on what it looks like to, to do that. I think a lot of times if you've been married for a while and you've been in like unhealthy mindsets for the majority of the marriage, you do kind of grow an opinion of your spouse almost like as if they are your enemy Mm -hmm. to an extent, you know what I mean? Like I have all this trauma, you've hurt me in all these ways and you don't have uh, my back, my, yeah, my back or my best interest in mind, you're only for yourself. And I really think that's attributed to like what we talked about earlier in the podcast, as far as attachment cells go sometimes, like I'm an anxious attachment. cell. I'm healing that working through that David deals with avoidant attachment style. So the way that he handles things is very different than the way that I handle things. He would tend to avoid conflict and kind of just be like, okay, this is how it's going to be, blah, blah, blah. Um, but because he he didn't want to deal with going through the conflicts, whereas I'm like, let's attack it. <laughs> let's like deal with it. And so that would leave him feeling very attacked when we were discussing things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and then I also felt very attacked because, or not really attacked, but I felt um, that you were leaving me what what is the word abandoned yeah you were abandoning she felt abandonment yeah I definitely felt abandonment through that so and I think you can go to a certain extent working together Mm -hmm. um but your own attachment style and your own trauma and stuff like that can actually block the work you do together if you're not actively working on that as well Mm -hmm. or you're not aware of that too what um but i did have a question as far as like how can couples not feel attacked during their conflict like i know a lot of men feel attacked when women bring up the past and i know that's a big issue that is a huge issue but women feel like there are things they'll bring up the past because they feel like something's not resolved so how can women approach men in a way and how can men change their mindset in a way where that kind of stuff doesn't feel like an attack? You know, there's a, there's a great question. There's a, there's a business book out there and I can't remember the name of it. Um, it might be The Power of Why. Uh, I can't remember who the author was, but the premise of it is, particularly in business, anytime you're saying, oh, we need to do this initiative, we need to do this, you have to ask why five times to really get to the root of what it is you're really trying to accomplish. Because a lot of times people sit at the surface level and that's all they've thought about. And when you dig into the why, you fundamentally can understand, is this really something that we need or is this just uh, something that's that's we you know just 
external to what the organization needs. And I think that same application applies to relationship. It may not be five times, but if I'm feeling attacked, you're obviously doing something that is making me feel that way. I can react in that moment or I can use the power of why and start digging deeper into it. And you may not, you may not be able to articulate it, but if, I think if you can, why? Well, like, okay, you're telling me that my, my past is in, why? It, and if I can start to dig into what you're, you're bringing the surface level, fear to me, anxiety, whatever. But if I can start digging into, well, you know, it's to hope you get down to the level, well, my dad was never there for me growing up. And so I always felt unworthy of, of love. And so you start digging into that. I think that creates the space for empathy and the space for connection to try to step back from the immediate reaction and, and digging into trying to understand why my partner is whether they're attacking me or not, they're obviously coming at me about something that's impacting them. So if you can do that power of why and dig in with each other, I think that just gets to those deeper level things. And that's where connection points come, right? That's where I can actually connect with you because I, oh, I get it. It really has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the fact, yeah, yeah, that would suck if, if I was in that situation as a kid. I totally understand. And then I can empathize more with you and you start digging into some of those deeper, deeper patterns of what's going on. I love that you say that. It's very interesting because I think people don't understand the way that the brain categorizes trauma and feelings right. and things that we've been through. And the way that it categorizes these things is that it doesn't do it by event. It does it by feeling. So right. if you have a situation where you felt abandoned in your childhood, and that's your core memory of the abandonment or the core you know, memory that's tied to that feeling, your brain's going to create like a folder basically for that feeling. Mm -hmm. And then every time you feel that again, later on in life, it's going to categorize that event and put it in the folder that feels the same. So a lot of the times when we're having conflict and stuff with other people, or we're experiencing things, those instances get categorized and then placed in that same folder, but it leads back to the core memory. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I love that. And and it's just, it, it's so powerful though, why it's so important that I do my own work. Because if I don't understand that, and if I don't understand what's going on internally and all those folders and the way my brain is working, it, it just like, no wonder there's just nothing but conflict because we're both coming in and we're just looking at each other and saying, you're the, you're the enemy and I'm going to attack you. But the more I can understand that, the more I can even ask the question of myself, why do I do this? Why do I do this? And, and if you can look yourself in the mirror and start to pick apart yourself and, and try to say, I do this over and over. I don't like it. It's not the behavior that I want, but why do I do it? And I don't think we give ourselves enough space sometimes to be okay with, well, you're doing this for a reason. It's not just you're a bad person. It's not just, you know, you're this, you're that. You're doing it for a reason because you, it's learned behavior that at some point in your life was critical to help you deal with a situation that you probably were not capable of dealing with. So now how do you unpack that? How do you unwind that and understand that? And if you can do that and have empathy with yourself, I think that creates space for you and your partner to have empathy with each other. I think why is such an important yeah. question because okay. I know like through our journey and healing and stuff like that, I've had to ask myself, why do I allow myself to be treated this way? Right. Because that's even a good question or why am I reacting that way? I love that you brought that up because it's such an important part of self-reflection and like emotional, uh, your emotional IQ, like your emotional mm -hmm. uh, maturity and understanding and, and getting to know 
what is really causing you to make you tick and make the decisions that you make. Because when it comes down to it, we kind of just revert back to our programming of what happened in in our home mm-hmm. uh, or our place of growing up, like the home of origin. That kind of those survival mechanisms just kick in when you feel like you're backed into a corner or you're getting attacked or something like that. And to ask those questions definitely will help you reveal or look into yourself and see, hey, what's going on with me? Mm-hmm. And I think also, too, that why breaks the the stronghold of people who tend to revert to pointing the finger, right? Projecting. You know, I know a lot of times and I, I've heard from other couples say that they'll see that their spouse is projecting, they're arguing, right? They're they're putting these past hurts on them and it turns into a blame game. Next thing you know, they're blaming their spouse. Well, this, 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 this. And the spouse is thinking in his head, man, this is from her past trauma and stuff like that. How do I how do I tell her that? How do I fight against her past? So, and, and I think, you know, in that moment, it's such a powerful thing to say, I see you're struggling. Can mm-hmm. you help me understand why? Mm-hmm. And it just breaks the, the that tension. It breaks the mold mm-hmm. because it flips the script to say your partner's there. They want to understand mm-hmm. what's going on. And when we when we're seen, when we're heard, we're validated, it just it blows things up. It breaks down that 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 aggression that we often bring into those fights. And if you can do that, you know, John Godden, Gottman has a has an Instagram photo, uh, post where he refers to those moments as the porcupine, right? Your quills go up and the porcupine, you got to just come alongside, you got to caress their face. And that's how you get the porcupine to have their quills come down. And you just got to caress their face and say, I'm here for you. I'm here for you, baby. I'm here for you. What a great way to display him. What a great analogy. Yeah. And, and it's so true because I know for me and her, when we're fighting or arguing or whatever, right, we're having our, our moments. Sometimes I have to tell her, hey, I'm on your side. Right. I'm on your side. I got your back. Yeah. yeah. It definitely helps the way you package it. Too. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you like bake it a little cake and then you ice it and you like put those words in that cake and hand it right. to me. Oh man, I'm definitely going to receive it well. But if you package it kind of like, you know, harsh and razor blades and everything else on it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And that's certainly something us guys need to work on is the mm-hmm. packaging. We, we we have not been trained to understand packaging sometimes, whether it's business, whether it's the military, wherever you're at, it's all about you come in hard and that's your job as a man. And then we come into these relationships and we're like, man, why isn't that working? And we do have to work on that packaging. Yeah, we definitely dealt with that in our <laughs> marriage because my husband was a lineman for so long and he would kind of bring the same like mentality yeah yeah, mentality into the home with the kids and me and it just wasn't working out so packaging is so important how you approach it and deal with it and the tone i think a lot of times too as men you know when you're in your job or whatever and like say for instance me being a lineman okay as an apprentice you're used to getting your teeth kicked in non-stop you're being told you're worthless, this, 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 you suck, all these different things, okay? You allow that to get on you, and then you come home, and then you fall back into that same mold of what was taught to you or, or showed to you, you know what I mean? And we could even go as far ahead and say, okay, what was that? Was that shown to you in your own childhood? You know, falling back to that default. And I did that with my wife because that's how I was raised. And being in the lineman industry as an apprentice, 
That's how I was talked to as well. So I would come home and start projecting that onto my wife, you know, and she'd be like, Hey man, you need to chill. You, you can't be doing this. <laughs> you can't be talking to me like I'm one of your people at work or whatever, you know? So it's definitely being able to package it correctly yeah. and give it to them so they can receive it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, people don't realize how easily, especially when you've been married a long time, how easily you can pick up on somebody's tone. Mm. Tone is so mm. important. So how can couples start to restore intimacy in their relationship if they feel like, hey, I'm just not in love with you anymore? Mm. Yeah, that's a tough one. And, uh, you know, I, I think it starts with accepting and understanding why are you here? I mean, we don't just wake up one day and say, I don't love my my partner anyway. Mm -hmm. That usually is a byproduct of years of, again, whether it's unhealthy patterns, avoiding each other, not setting your relationship, your marriage as a priority. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, and, and I think when you're there, you have to, you have to be honest about why you got there. And then you have to be honest about how you got there. And then if you can do that, I think you guys, the couple has to be committed to working, to creating something different. And this is, this is a big part of what we try to do is help couples get aligned in the sense of, uh, far too often you have one person in the relationship that's really driving change and wants things to happen and they're just pulling the other person along and all that does is just create further resentfulness and further further, further distance between them so i think starting with honest conversations and, and i this sounds so simple but it's so hard in the moment just honest conversations hey we're here why are we here is this where we we, we obviously we can't both stay here we're both exhausted from this do we want to try to save this? And, and I think that there's a saying in the sales world that says, until you have the opportunity to say no, you'll never really say yes. And 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 I know in, you know, again, I, I've got a I've got a master's in biblical studies. I understand there's a whole whole aspect of Christianity that tries to say, you know, divorce is not an option. And I'm not advocating for divorce in any way. Mm -hmm. But I do think there is an element that until I have the option to say no, I'm never truly going to understand, am I saying yes for the right reason? Am I saying yes for my partner? Or am I saying yes, because there's some other circumstances that are keeping me here? And I think if you can get to that place to say, maybe this isn't working, and maybe we can't make this work. At that point, I think that's when God can step in and say, now I got hearts I can mold. Now, now I have people that I can fundamentally work with because they've accepted why they're here, what they've done to get here, and they've accepted the fact that maybe they can't make this work. And I think sometimes people are afraid. They're afraid, oh my God, we, we can't even put that on the table. Or, but then that just creates, I think, a whole bunch of extra stress and tension on the relationship. We just have to make it work no matter what, no matter what. But then you're, you're not being honest with yourself. So being able to be honest with yourself, you're there for a reason and you have to do something different and then you have to get help. I mean, like, like if you're there, you probably haven't gotten help. Uh, there are not all counselors are created equal, but there are phenomenal therapists out there that can help you and understand. I mean, the, one of the things that the, the, the marriage therapist that we worked with just did so well is what we were talking about earlier, stopped the reaction, right? In, in the moment, 
There's nothing worse than having your therapist look at you and say, what, what, what? Nope, nope, it's not your time to speak yet. You have to let your partner. And then like just that ability to stop that emotional reaction, listen to your partner to try to hear what they're saying and empathize. I mean, that's what the beauty of, of marriage therapists, that really good ones do. They get you the ability to slow things down. We hear this in, in the game of football all the time, when particularly for a quarterback, when they first come into the league, the game is so fast. And, and they say right around that three-year mark, the game slows down and they see things and they can read defenses. And I think it's the same thing in relationships. When you're in that spot, everything is just moving so fast. The emotion, the energy is so flooded. You need to slow the game down. And, and you need to, if you can't do that within yourselves, you need to get in the counselor's office and you got to slow things down so that you can truly hear each other and truly understand, can we create something different to make a better relationship? Hmm. Hmm. It definitely sounds like you need to be on the same page with your spouse, you know, to, uh, you know, address the effects of the problems on the marriage. Um, how have you seen that couples are able to come together? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's you have to, you know, like if you use a if you use a continuum. Right. And, mm -hmm. and ground like a zero is probably where you started at when you walked into your relationship. Uh -huh. And over time, if you if you had unhealthy patterns and you didn't deal with it, you're going in the negative. And mm -hmm. before you can really try to create something new, you have to get back to baseline and you have to get back to just, hey, like like there's a, there's an element of respect in a relationship that if I don't respect you as a person, it's really hard for me to say, I'm going to work with you and get aligned with you to create something different. And I think a lot of times when couples are in that place where they've ignored that for so long, they've lost respect for each other. They, they, they've lost that ability to empathize with each other. They've lost that ability to see that person for who they are and they look right past them. And so that ability to step back and do that, and that's hard. As I shared with you, I mean, my, my ex, ex wife and I, we tried it five years in counseling and we, and we couldn't do it. And, 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 you know, we walked away from our relationship trying our best to try to do that, but, but we couldn't, we couldn't do it for a variety of different reasons. And so to be able to regain, get back to what I'll call ground zero, where I respect this person, I see them for who they are, and I can, try my best to try to recreate something new. Um, I, th I think that's the hardest part because that's where, again, when you're in that negative zone, that's where just things are so flooded and emotions are so going crazy. Um, but how you do that is sometimes you got to step away from each other. And, and I know some people, and I'm not saying like, you know, some people separate, some people just, you got to be honest with your fact that you're, you got to give it time and you got to give it space. Sometimes I have to step away from the conflict to be able to then come back in and respect you for who you are, see you for who you are, and try to recreate a new narrative in my head. And so it, it takes time. It takes distance that then allows you to come back together and create something different. There's a, actually a, a phenomenon that takes place in relationships where, um, and I forget what it's called, but it's where when you're with somebody you can actually hold on to the image that they were when you met them or early on or wherever you got stuck with the trauma uh, rather than seeing them as they have grown today and who they are today. Uh, and this takes place like really strong in couples that have been together a lot longer uh, because you have such a long timeline together, you can actually get stuck in one 
vision of how your spouse is. And that's not entirely how they actually are today. But because you are seeing things through your special colored glasses and you see them only in that one light, you know, it really does take a lot of, you know, being very concerned about what you're thinking on and how you view your spouse and stuff like that. And kind of transferring over into a space where you don't just rely on the image that you've built up of that person, mm -hmm. but rather really transition your thinking to see the actions that they're doing today and then asking questions. Oh, okay. Well, why did you do that? Or mm -hmm. did you mean it that way? I took it this way. And mm -hmm. I really feel that that can really change somebody's perspective on their spouse mm -hmm. because I know that you and I got stuck in that kind of yeah. cycle at one point in time. Like you saw me a certain way and I saw you a certain way. Mm -hmm. And man, after doing a lot of work and a lot of empathy and just really being intentional in our marriage, we've really started to transition mm -hmm. those images of each other. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, of course. Yes. Yes. You hit it right on the head with that, babe. Um, also, just to add on to that, I think like for me, I started paying attention to truths instead of the narrative that I had created in my brain about what my wife or what I believe my wife was, right? I started paying attention on the truths that she was showing me, her actions. Because, you know, we all say actions speak louder than words. So instead of listening to the narrative, the thoughts in my head, I started saying, okay, this isn't 100% true because her actions are showing me different. And that's what helped me to really start looking at her through a different color of lens as well you know i definitely yeah. think that our own personal narrative that we create mm -hmm. is the worst enemy in the marriage absolutely because yeah the narrative a lot of the time we're alone in our own head you know building a case against our spouse mm -hmm. and you know the spouse has no idea that we're <laughs> cooking dinner and cursing them or you know whatever it is that's happening and you turn around and kiss your your you know spouse oh hi i love you but it, you know deep down inside you're seething and you're building resentment because something wasn't resolved or you know you continue to see things the way you want to see them rather than asking questions and but you know why? being intentional about you know what you're trying to see and if you are seeing changes mm -hmm. yeah my therapist used to always say relationships are extremely experiential in the sense that the experiences we have in those relationships are going to dictate the narrative in our head and then dictate the feelings that we have in those relationships. Mm -hmm. And, and when you've been stuck in that pattern of seeing somebody a certain way, well, how do you get out of that? You create better experiences and you create better experiences with each other. And, and a lot of times you know, pe people struggle with that. Oh, do I have to take the step first step? And why, why should I do this for them if they're not doing anything for me? And then that creates a whole nother narrative. But if you can create different experiences in your relationship, then you can fundamentally change the narrative within it. I think that is so huge because <laughs> I mean, if you're a parent or you've been married any significant amount of time, sometimes you forget how to have fun. Yeah. Holy cow. You could be having fun early on in the relationship and stuff like that and then life hits and you get stuck in this like day-to-day -day type of routine and you forget that the person you married was a rock climber and you guys used to you know 
go and do crazy stuff. And now that you have kids, you can't do any of that. And man, if you just go out and start having new experiences and, and remember how to have fun, learn how to have fun again, it can change the whole environment of the relationship in a big way. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we become very boring after having kids. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't right? have to be. No. And what, what better way to show our kids than, yeah, we're fun. Because I got teenagers now. And they, they think I'm not fun at all. So <laughs> <laughs> My daughter thinks I'm a savage, man. <laughs> she, she's like, this, this guy's over the top. <laughs> we had a conversation last night, though, about um, how sometimes like our attachment style can create us to be like a stick in the mud sometimes mm -hmm. too, because, you know, you, you forget how to have fun. And a lot of you, like your own default programming kind of takes over where you find yourself in fight or flight all the time. And you're just in survival habits over and over and over. And so you really visualize your life wanting to have fun, but you find yourself in these situations where it's difficult to do that sometimes. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I deal with anxiety, like major after social events. And I used to be a very social person. And now I'm just like, after I have a social event and it's with great people and everything, I'm like a mess afterwards. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I find myself trying to avoid, <laughs> yeah. I talk, you know, I communicate, I have to go speak and stuff like that. But after that, it's like, I want to just withdraw and avoid, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, Paul, um, how can couples redefine commitment growth and why is it so important to be able to do that? Yeah, I, I, you know, we've been we've been throwing out a lot of terms here in the last 45 minutes or so attachment yeah. style anxious all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I think one of the biggest things we can do is find a language. To describe things. So many times we get stuck because I don't have a language to describe. If I didn't understand attachment styles and, and why I'm either secure, like that, that just opens up the door to put a language into what I'm struggling with so then I can communicate with. I mean, there's a reason why communication training and all that kind of stuff is the number one aspect of, of relationship help for people. And I don't think it's necessarily about communicating. It's about if we don't have a language to talk to each other, then we fundamentally cannot solve the conflict. And then we just continue to spin with each other and we can't grow past that. So I think, you know, this is why at Evermero Couples, we are so big on resources to help people find a language, whether, whether you're dealing with your core connection, these contextual areas, whether you want something deeper purpose in your relationship, you have to have a language to describe this stuff. Otherwise, you just don't understand what you don't understand. And so I think reading, reading about relationships, listening to podcasts, all this kind of stuff gives us a language to say, hey, I don't understand that, but I want to go research that. And if you can be inquisitive and, and be curious about this type of stuff, that just creates an atmosphere. Curiosity creates an atmosphere for growth. And, and if you can be curious about things I don't understand or things I'm wrestling with and take intentionality with podcasts, with books, with courses that are out there, I just think that gives you such an, a, an ability to grow out of things, whether it's the past of who we are, whether it's the relationship conflict we're in. If I have a language, I can grow out of it because I can now communicate it and I can define why I'm here. I can define where I want to go and I can define the steps I need to take to get there. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, no, I agree with you. I also see too, that when you have that intentionality to go forth and like research stuff and, and research your marriage and stuff like that, what you're doing is you're showing your spouse that the marriage actually matters because you're going to spend time with stuff that matters. And if you're researching, you're sowing, you're going to reap a harvest off of that. Right. And it's showing your spouse that, man, you matter so much. This relationship matters so much that I'm willing to invest into reading this stuff. And I just, I see between the two of you, you know, your interactions with each other, you can tell you both individually go after your research and then you bring that into the relationship. And then we can bring that into the relationship. Even if I'm the first one to do it, if I go talking about my spouse, Hey, I got this new attachment style thing that I'm wrestling with. And your spouse is like, what, what is that? <laughs> like, that's going to make them inquisitive. If you start throwing this new language around, they might be annoyed at first, but eventually, hopefully then they step into that and they say, oh, that sounds interesting. I want to learn about that more. And, and when you're around couples that have done that, like just observing the two of you, you can tell you've taken the steps to understand, to grow, to learn. You bring that into your relationship. And when you have two people doing that, I, get, I think that's just one of the most powerful things in the world, whether I'm trying to get out of conflict or whether I'm trying to find a greater purpose of our lives together. When two people are doing that intentionally, that just it just explodes and creates an atmosphere for growth. That's a very interesting point. I haven't heard anybody really talk about this mm -hmm. before, um, but when you put it into perspective of how important it is for people to have a common language of understanding in the marriage, it really makes sense to me because, man, there's a lot of things that we see happening in our relationships that we don't have the correct language for, the correct words for. We don't know how to describe what exactly is happening even in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't even know that there are terms that help us define those things. So, I mean, it's that's a great point to bring up. And I think that would really help a lot of couples. Uh you know, I, and at the end of the day, people really have to choose their hard, mm -hmm. you know, when you're married, you have to work hard and do things that can feel hard to, you know, and out of your comfort zone in order to keep that marriage together. Mm -hmm. But also when you're divorced and you're single, there's another aspect of hard that you have to deal with too. I mean, so they're equally both hard. It's not necessarily easier just to drop a relationship that still has potential to grow and stuff like that and start because really what you're doing is you start over and then you kind of have to start the cycle all over again in mm -hmm. a new situation because the common denominator there is you yourself you still have the issues that you have mm -hmm. um, as well so I mean and there's no shade to anybody that has chosen to to heal on their own or has gone through a divorce or anything like that. I'm just saying that both roads are equally hard. One isn't necessarily easier than the other. And they both have their uh, challenges and difficulties. And they also both have their, uh, you know, good points too. Mm -hmm. the things that can be good and the things that you'll learn through that road. And it's individually, you know, your life and you have to make decisions that are right for you and your marriage and your kids and everything like that. So well said. let's see here, honey. We got a couple questions that came in, Paul. Let me see here. Um, one is, should there be boundaries if you feel that the argument stems from their past hurts, uh, projection? Uh, no one can fight someone's past. What do you say to that? Yeah, it, you know, yes. And, and that 
you know, it, sometimes it's easy to take on the pains of somebody's past in, mm -hmm. in what I mean by if that's coming up in a conflict, if I don't have a healthy boundary to know where I begin and end, where they begin and end, it's very, it could be very easy to just say, oh, they're, they're upset. I must have done something wrong. And that's not always the case. I mean, obviously, Dr. Henry Cloud is is the, the king of boundaries, whether it's his books, his boundaries.me portal. It just it, it is so important in any healthy relationship. It kind of goes back to the analogy of the of the spinning wheel of the spinning planets. I have to know where I begin and end so that I'm not taking on that other person. And I have to be very patient with the fact that that's the case, because sometimes we can put up boundaries and just like point you know put the hand up and point point to them to say oh that's your issue not my problem go away but but that's not going to help resolve it so so there is an aspect of putting up boundaries so that you can understand what's you what's them but then doing it in a way that delivery that packaging so that they can understand this is something that they have to reflect on and work on um, but creating the the fertile ground for them to do that in mm, i like that i like that yeah that was a question that came in and uh I was like, well, I, I got to ask him, you know, because uh, that seems to be a, a big one with uh, men out there today. You know, mm -hmm. um, I also wanted to revert back to what you were saying about creating a language that you guys can both understand. When you were saying that and you're talking about that, I thought about it because I'm in the education field. OK, I'm a, an instructor and uh, I see that as it relates to even the students that I talk to. In order for me to get them to understand the information, the why, like we talked it, I have to put it in a way that they can understand the language, you know, simplify it basically. So I see that both at that aspect and I could see that taking it into our marriage and being able to have the same communication and being able to share that with our spouse in a way that they can understand it as well. So I like simple. Keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? And what you just described, that process is what, you know, we're just so passionate about is how do you help people grow? Because again, if I can teach you to grow, if I can get you aligned, teach uh -huh. you to grow as a couple, you can figure out, is it the core? Is it the connection? Is it the contextual areas that you need to work on? Uh, but so if we can teach people those skills of coming together, staying aligned and growing together, mm -hmm. you, you can tackle almost any problem that you have in your relationship. What are some signs that... Um people might like early signs that people might be heading down the wrong path mm. in their marriage. Yeah. So, so on our website, we actually have a, a quiz. It's uh, five patterns to, to not ignore in your relationship. Uh, and it, and it asks some very candid questions in five of the core areas of uh, just, just around how you're perceiving your relationship. Um, I, th I think some of those early signs, there, there's some, obviously some tactical things of, mm -hmm. we're, you know, we're not having sex anymore. Obviously our connection's broken. Uh, some of those things, but I think it, when you, when you start feeling hopeless about your marriage, uh, when, when you're starting to, face what we call the compare your reality with the 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 perception of people's facebook world like we, we we do that sometimes when our when our relationship is struggling we look on facebook and we say oh man they got it so good or we look on instagram and we're like man they got it so good and that just creates this like emotional response inside of us which i think sometimes we say that's bad but i don't think it's bad i think it's telling you something within that something's wrong at home. And, and when you start doing that, when you're starting to compare yourself, you're starting to feel hopeless, you're starting to wonder what if, when, you, when you're starting to wrestle with those things, I think that's when you have to step back and not ignore it. And, and that's what I'm like, we're so big about building a community of people that are in that place to say, don't ignore it. 
It's, it's not a problem that you're there. It's a problem if you do nothing about it. And if you're around other people, because again, it's, a, it's another adage about like when you have kids, you begin to just isolate yourself mm-hmm. from any kind of healthy couples. And if you didn't have healthy parents, then you're now sitting in this world where you're spinning with these little things and you're just like wrestling with who you are in your relationship now. And that's where then it starts to break down. But if you can stay connected to some community, to a church, to something like that, there's just, there's something about that that helps you to not allow yourself to get sucked into there's something wrong with us, but be willing to step up and say, yeah, there's something wrong with us and we need help and that's okay. How can we help men kind of jump on that bandwagon mm. early on? Because I feel that <laughs> there's kind of an influx of women that will address the issues early on and the men really think that everything's okay all the way up until disaster kind of hits. Mm -hmm. So how can we get men kind of on board to being more intentional about their marriages? Yeah, no, I I think there, there is something about that, that, you know, I don't know what the statistics are, but the reality of women willingness to, to try to solve uh, a relationship versus men Mm -hmm. is ridiculous. And and I think part of that is women are just natural nurturers. They're trying to nurture the relationship, whereas men, you know, we're trying to go out and support the family. And and so that, that dynamic of, well, that's, is that my role? So, so I think helping men understand, yeah, it's, it's your role just as much as your wife to nurture your relationship. I I think, you know, there's so much of emotional intelligence. You hit on it earlier that if I was to spend the rest of my life, it would be just running emotional intelligence programs for men because we are just so ill-equipped because most of us grew up with, whether it's militaristic. I mean, my dad, again, my dad was an alcoholic. He didn't, he didn't demonstrate emotions. He just got angry. And that's all I ever knew. So I was never taught what is healthy emotional intelligence in the context of who I am as a person, how I bring that into a relationship. And, And we've done a disservice to generations of men who just don't understand how do I bring my emotional health into a relationship and feel safe enough to be vulnerable and to connect. So I, I go back to the language. Like we have to, we have to normalize for guys talking about vulnerability is okay. And, and it's okay to say, I don't have a clue what this is. This scares the crap out of me, but I know I got to do something different because, you know, my, my marriage has fallen apart. So it's beginning to normalize one. That's the experience we had. We've been dealt a, a tough deck of cards and normalize that language with men so that they can begin to, to begin to shift the narrative in who they are. Mm. do men value like a positive nurturing atmosphere in the marriage as much as the women do they do but they don't know how to express it and they don't know how to acknowledge it so so i think there's not a man out there that doesn't like to come home and and just feel that that their wife is there and they, that there's a home there and that they've created this because this is a safe space because we're out there battling all day long and when we come home while we might bring that crap with us if, if you can come home and your wife can diffuse that for you by just saying there's a nurturing environment here, it's safe, and there's you don't have to bring that in here, and I'm not going to react to that. I'm going to just placate you and say, yeah, I get it. That's who you are, but come here, and it's safe. That begins to break down those walls. Hmm. Hmm. So definitely creating safety, emotional safety, an environment of safety, I think goes both ways, definitely. Yeah, for sure, especially when you want to come to your spouse and tell them something that's going on you got to create that a that safe space Mm -hmm. right yeah Yeah. well paul thank you so much for coming on here brother uh we appreciate all the great information you've bestowed onto our audience um i want to give you the opportunity now to just share with our audience how they can get a hold of you and whatever you want to put on there 
Yeah, certainly. So uh, obviously, evermerylcouples.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at evermerylcouples. Uh, we're going to be launching some some more formal programs here in the next few months. One, a course all about alignment, um, a course about how do you develop these growth-minded skills. Uh, so we've got a bunch of stuff that I talked about throughout this podcast already out there, uh, but these, these workshops will be launching here late spring, early summer. Awesome. Thank you so much. And remember, definitely follow us at the show up dad on Instagram, TikTok, wherever else you can find us all social media platforms. Check out our shop at Shopify. You know, if you have questions, reach out to us. Thank you all for listening. Thank you.